Welcome to Energetic Influence, where we discuss energy in all its forms, including spiritual, and its influence on us collectively and as individuals. And now your host of Energetic Influence, David Houston. Thanks for joining me again. I have been thinking about some information that I wanted to put forth in a graphic that contains text. That idea came to me when I ran into the character limit on certain social platforms where I wanted to say or my statement was longer, even though I I attempt to get my message out in a succinct way when I write, but it was longer than the character limit within that platform. And I thought, well, I can set this type and I enjoy typesetting and reading beautiful type, which is becoming more rare. I read anyway, but when you read really nice set type, it's such a pleasure to me anyway so I was working on an idea or had an idea or a notion on the influence of darkness it kind of went a few different directions and within those directions that it had went my inability to look at all the text that I had put together to put it into a coherent readable graphic was proving to be a challenge and I thought well what I can do is discuss it and talk about it and maybe that would allow me to not so much summarize but be able to get my thoughts together kind of like how I used the first 10 episodes to put together Campfire Story and so tonight leaving work I was thinking about this project and I was thinking about the writing of it, and I was also thinking about the speaking on it, and it dawned on me about darkness, because what I had written so far didn't really even touch on this notion about darkness that came into my mind tonight, and that was the influence darkness has had on humanity, the activities that were carried out under the cover of darkness in the world, I believe, were greater than they are today just because people were more apt to not want to be seen. And you can get into the discussion of masks or costumes or stealth, pretend, and that has a little nod to darkness. But What I'm saying is once the sun goes down and lights go out in the dark, one is more hidden than in the light. Now with night vision and with cameras everywhere, performing activities that are questionable in the dark isn't so much a requirement any longer. People commit crimes in broad daylight. So... Darkness isn't a prerequisite any longer for people to misbehave, if you want to call it that. Criminal activity takes place at any time. There is an apparent 
growing of it in our society. But in the past, when it was dark, one could carry out all kinds of activities and maybe even get away with it because of the darkness. And that's kind of where I was going a week or so ago when I started writing, and that was, I guess, basic definition of darkness is the absence of light. And that can usually be alleviated by turning on a light or lighting a candle or waiting on the morning. But then there can also be, or you can associate the word darkness with knowledge. The phrase someone being in the dark may not refer to light or dark, but lack of knowledge. And then that can be alleviated with learning or understanding or reading to learn and understand. But then another notion was spiritual darkness. There are plenty of people who are in spiritual darkness right now. Some of that darkness is because of maybe who they are or where they are in life. But then for some, that darkness has been chosen. They've chosen to not seek light from above. Now, there are plenty of secret societies and fraternities and orders, even religious groups that claim illumination, yet the illumination they seek is not from the Holy Spirit. The claims may be just that, claims that they are seeking a higher knowledge or seeking a well-lit path, but that path is riddled with secrecy. That path is directed by energy that is being manipulated to bring about a grand devious scheme that we know is coming. We know is going to be fulfilled. We know that it is going to happen. And that would get into prophecy, as I've shared before, that the prophecies in the scripture or the Bible that have been written will happen. They will take place. You can look at that in one of two ways. One, it's been written. It's going to happen. What are we going to do about it? And I would agree with you. That's that's a valid conclusion to come up with. I would also say that it is inevitable that it will take place. However, I personally would not want to be part of a group of people to know corruption is taking place or to know criminal activity is being looked upon favorably without exposing it. And the exposing of it, I believe, whether anything is done or not, is the part that we're asked to do to shed light on anything that is not a proper way for behavior to uh, unfold. Now, you may have the argument, well, I want to do that. And I say, well, okay. And this gets into ideas of, say, the right as an American, a legal resident of America. You have that right, the right to whatever religion you choose. 
and I would support you having that right. I don't have to agree with your choice, but I would defend your right to have it. And in discussing tonight about darkness, spiritual darkness, as I was researching and reading and thinking about what does please our Creator, well, the Bible tells us what pleases our Creator. It's very easy to determine, and that is you just have to follow the laws that were given. And in doing that research, people could say, oh, well, those are Jewish laws or laws of the Israelites from the Old Testament. And I would beg to differ and say, well, these are God's laws that he gave to the people that he called his own, and they followed these laws, but they're God's laws. They're not the Jewish people's laws. And we even see in Scripture where the very people that were asked to follow these laws didn't do very well. They failed on a number of accounts in a number of ways. They failed a lot. They failed when Moses was coming back down the mountain. They had failed. Just after being brought out of Egypt, they had failed. And then if one were to keep the laws, when a person who was keeping the laws failed to do so, there was a penalty. And that penalty usually consisted of an animal dying. And the animal, it was very specific on what type of animal and the qualifications for that animal. If you didn't have the animal, you had to go, you know, earn the money to buy the animal to bring it to the temple or the tabernacle to sacrifice to have your sin or your disobedience paid for or atoned for. Now, in our current time, I've heard, oh, we're under grace. Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And that's a valid statement. However, what Jesus did was he became the final sacrifice. There is no longer a need for rams or lambs or turtle doves or whatever else might have been called for in the scriptures. He became the final payment. That's all that changed. The laws didn't change. The disobeying of the laws didn't change. The payment changed, and that was it. And as I was writing and thinking about this, I remembered at some point in my history or past, maybe a pastor or some relative was talking about people having pet sins. And so I started a little paragraph on owning a pet. Now, I personally have had a couple of dogs when I was younger. I think my wife and I had a cat at one time, had some fish. But after we had kids, I really didn't personally myself care for pets and I am perfectly fine with going to the zoo or looking at animals in a picture. But I wanted to point out that pets are important if you enjoy them. Anyway, my paragraph was discussing pets and I was going to use that as a way to bring up pet sins because we all have them. We all have some secret sin that we 
knowingly and or willingly commit that we know is wrong. We we know it. Sometimes we even pay to continue to commit those sins or that sin, and we do it anyway. And then we label it as a pet sin. And if that's new to you, then now you have that idea in your head. We condone it. We accept it. And just because we accept it doesn't mean the Father accepts it. As a Christian who has accepted Christ as their Savior, one could say they are saved and that that sin that they continue to commit is okay. Well, from what I've been reading, I would, and I am leaning heavily in the area that, well, that's not the case because when we read in the New Testament, we're asked to change. We're asked to become sinless. And you may say, oh, you're crazy. How could one become sinless? Well, it's a challenge. It's a choice. It's a decision that's made consciously, daily, moment by moment. There's really no way to not sin because of who we are as a people. So where am I going with that? Well, where I'm going with that is realizing that in the New Testament, Jesus basically tells us, go and sin no more. Follow the commandments. And then he is asked by a learned person in the law, well, which commandments? And Jesus basically says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two things, the whole of the law hangs. And so if you love the Lord your God, you will do things that pleases God. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't be looking at his wife or wanting the, the things that he has, just as examples. And if you love yourself, then you won't do things that harm yourself, which is yet another paragraph that I was working on, and that is the the activities we do each day that do not lead to health. Oh, we may be hungry, and so we may eat or consume food products that are clearly specifically stated in the scriptures that are unclean. Oh, there you go again with that. Jewish talk. I'm not talking about anything Jewish. I'm talking about what God said. And then if you look at the animals that are listed as unclean, you know, just from a shellfish point of view, these are bottom feeder animals. They help keep the oceans clean or the lakes clean. You You could take an oyster or a mussel and put it in a dirty aquarium or maybe a handful of mussels or oysters and Within just a little bit of time, the dirty aquarium will be much, much cleaner than it was because they're filters, and they filter that water. Same thing with catfish and so on. But then any of the other things that we consume or that we put into our bodies that bring harm to our body, which gets into another section that I was writing about when I was thinking about sin in and of itself. And I was ha- I happened to be reading on a particular day, there's a book from Jonathan Kahn called 
Book of Mysteries, and it is a, a book to be read in a year. You read a page a day, and it's information or a, not a story per se, but a mystery. Each day is, and it was the notion that the word sin in Hebrew is singular, and then the word mercy in Hebrew is plural, and it kind of goes back with, you know, sin is sin. There may be a spectrum of sin, but it's still sin, kind of like being pregnant. You may be one day pregnant, or you may be nine months pregnant, but you're still pregnant for the females who get pregnant in the world. And so I was thinking about sin, and a number of people could name the supposed seven deadly sins, which they're all deadly because the Scripture tells us so. But I began to list every one that I could come up with and one thing that helped me was as I would type a word, I would right-click and get synonyms for that word and copy and paste those and then right-click those. And next thing you know, I had a lot of words. And some were more the action of the word, and so I, I deleted those out. But anyway, it was a number of words that make up a list of sin in the world. And when we read that the wages of sin is death, I I began to understand that differently in that when we do things that are displeasing to the Father, that doesn't necessarily mean whenever we sin and the wages of sin are death, it began to make sense to me that, let's say you began to indulge in a certain, well, I'll just say that I began to see sin differently. And I began to see it everywhere. And then as I was thinking and writing, reading, researching, I had ordered a seven-episode series from Anchor Point Films. It's Scripture Mysteries. And the last episode is Death, Near Death, and Life After Death. And in that episode... It discusses the notion of an immortal soul. And I didn't think anything about that because I'd always heard we had an immortal soul. But then they began to point out specific scriptures that clearly state what a soul is. And the first scriptures in Genesis where we read that God created Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of God and his body became a living soul. So the word soul means an animated body made out of the chemicals that are found in the earth. A book, Prince and Power of the Air, and it discusses that designation of the devil, Lucifer, Satan, as described in Scripture. And it's a fascinating book that clearly illustrates a lot of the notions I had already had about energy, electromagnetic energy, wind energy, temperature energy, weather energy, basically physics. 
one of the things that or that that book pointed out was when the scripture talks about death it says that the spirit leaves the body well when science and I mean true science not the stuff we're propagandized with science states that death in a human is the cease of electrical activity that's interesting so science says that death is the ceasing of electrical activity within the human body and the bible says that death is the spirit leaving the human body well those two things describe the same event somebody has died now one could say oh that spirit goes back to god and we do read that that is in fact what happens to that energy but we also read that and there's so many let's see if i can so ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 human beings who have died are now in the grave waiting resurrection ecclesiastes 9:5 says for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten in 1 Thessalonians 4:13 through 15 and I'm not going to read the whole thing but it says those who sleep and sleep is another reference to being dead those who sleep in Jesus then in Daniel chapter 12 said those that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to the resurrection of everlasting life and then some the shame and contempt anyway what i was getting at was something that the seventh episode of that scripture mysteries series pointed out was the idea of an immortal soul could be another lie from satan told in the first verses of genesis where he tells eve surely you won't die but we're told many times after that that we will die. And as far as I know, the only person to not have died would be Elijah. And the only person I know that it has been resurrected from death would be Jesus. And he was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And some may say, "Well, what about Lazarus?" Well, I do believe Lazarus died and his bones are somewhere waiting on the resurrection. And I also believe it was in that episode where the gentleman being interviewed is discussing the illustration given to us of the thief on the cross next to Jesus where Jesus says I tell you today that you will be with me in paradise it all boils down to the comma that if you place the comma before today then it means one thing and if you place the comma after today it means a completely different thing and that was another question that I'd had was how many people are in heaven right now is it full of people and i would say no we're even told that david king david is awaiting resurrection now i find it interesting that the scriptures tells us that on the mount of transfiguration which i do believe was mount hermon when jesus spoke to moses and elijah that that is a very unique situation and we can also read you know in the old testament where uh what was it Saul 
even though he had sent out a decree that, you know, witches and soothsayers and mediums couldn't practice their skills, and he asks a medium, so he pretends he's in the cover of darkness, and he's disguised, so he doesn't look like the king, but he asks the witch to bring back Samuel, bring back Samuel. And so, was it Samuel? So now, this also brings to light, or something to consider, when the Bible tells us to have nothing to do with ghosts, necromancers, mediums, seances, and things of that nature, because when we're made to believe that we're contacting the spirit world, maybe the long-lost grandmother, or the daughter, or son that has recently passed away. You may not be speaking. Most likely you're not speaking to that person. Clearly you're not speaking to a person because the person's dead. But if you think that that person's soul is communicating with you, most likely, and I'm going to say 99.99%, that is a evil spirit, a demon, whatever, pretending to be communicating with you pretending to be a loved one and they may say things that you would be in agreement with or they may say things like all is well or they may say things that make you feel good all over now my wife and I we were talking about a number of these things that I'm talking about during this recording and nobody wants to hear this if you were to wake up on a Sunday morning and head off to church which is another story about not story but which is yet another sin of not worshiping on the Sabbath and again it's not a Jewish thing it's God's day of rest but if the pastor tells you at a funeral well here lies uncle so and so and he'll lay here in this grave until the resurrection let's hope he's raised to everlasting life and not shame and contempt. See, nobody wants to hear that because that's probably that it's the truth. People want to feel warm and fuzzy. People want to feel good. People don't People don't like the truth. And that's really another topic for a different podcast, and that is why this country is in the state that it's in, is people love to be lied to. People love to hear things that make them feel good, make them sleep easy that night. All the while, that politician or whomever has sold out. And I don't know for how many coins, you know, Judas sold out for a bag of silver. And you look at the people we've elected, and then you look at the people we've elected that didn't even get in because particular events took place that prevented. And then even when they did get in, or did get elected, and then get in, a lot of the claims on the campaign trail failed to materialize. I forget who said it, and I'll go ahead and end with this, but the progress to one world government, the progress to the new world order proceeds no matter who's in office because with one particular flavor, it proceeds just a little faster than the other flavor, which goes back to what I've mentioned before, and that is... Scripture tells us it's going to happen. We don't have to look forward to it. Actually, I wish people would look forward to it in the sense of it's got to happen before it gets 
fixed before it gets better. Jesus' millennial reign will not take place until after it gets ridiculously bad. And then that's another notion that can be discussed. And maybe, maybe not. I don't know if I will or not. But the idea of escape, the idea of being taken out before it gets too bad. And there's two levels of it getting bad. One is tribulation, one is wrath. And like I was just saying, that's a whole other topic. But we're never told to accept Jesus and everything's going to be peachy. We're actually told to expect trials and tribulations. We're actually told that we're going to be hated because we believe in him. And that is exactly where we have our hope and faith. But thank you for listening. I hope when I transcribe this, it will make more sense to me in putting together the infographic. If you'd like to see that in the transcript, I will include all the different social outlets that you can find me at. And I would look forward to it. I I would welcome any conversation with anyone that's listened. If you agree or disagree, the discussion, not so much a debate. I'm not really here to debate. I'm here to share, but I'm open to learning. And if we can go back to the Bible and you can point to where scripture says this, that, or the other, then I can entertain that and look at it, pray about it, and go from there. Otherwise, it's an opinion. And I attempt to not share opinions here. And if I do share an opinion, I will clearly state that this is my opinion. But thank you so much for listening. I hope to record sooner than later, and I will speak to you soon. Good night.